0: Good morning, Sycamore View Church. Whether you are joining us in person or virtually, I'm just glad you're with us. As you can see, some things are different this morning. It seems to kind of go with the theme of 2020, where we're just having to change things on the fly every once in a while. In the last 36 hours, we uh, did find out that there is a chance that our staff was exposed to COVID earlier this week. So uh, the next couple of days, we will be working remotely um, as we quarantine and just make sure all of us are healthy and we're trying to be cautious with that. I've been in conversations with a few of you over the last couple of weeks who have battled this illness and other illnesses and, and even some of you who have just recently lost loved ones d- due to COVID. And my, my heart, it just breaks in this season. I, I, I think most of us, we're just we're just ready for something new. But here we are today and part of what the church does is the church reminds each other, that we, we don't give up on God, God hasn't given up on us. We keep clinging in the hope and pressing in the hope, even, even when it's hard. And that's one reason I'm so excited about this core value that we talked about earlier in this worship service and a core value we're focusing on in the month of December, which is the core value of anticipation, that we courageously anticipate the movement, movement of God. This is a core value that is about increasing faith and deepening our prayer culture. This is a, a core value about that we believe God is on the move. So when we come to church, when we join in fellowship with other believers when we wake up every day we believe God is on the move we don't we don't come to church and and judge whether a worship service was good or not by the length of time was it under 60 minutes was a sermon under 25 minutes was that things flow like we want them to flow it, we come into a worship experience and we come into community and into life with God believing that God is on the move and and everything changes like everything changes when we into environments, believing God is on the move. And this is what the church is reminding each other of. This is a season of anticipation. It seems like every December we're anticipating a Christmas season. We're anticipating being with family. We're anticipating getting a break from work and school. And especially this year, can I get an amen? Some of us are anticipating getting a break from virtual school because we just can't take this anymore. Uh, it, it's, it's a beast. We're anticipating a lot of different things. I remember back when I was in fifth grade, I had a I had a girlfriend, and that year we decided that we were going to exchange Christmas presents during our uh, Christmas party at school. So here we are in this class, and like parents were there, mostly moms, and people were excited because they knew Josh and his girlfriend were about to exchange gifts, and they wanted to see what we gave each other. And I don't remember what I gave my girlfriend that year. I don't remember. I think we can all just just know it was something remarkable. I mean, think like diamond earrings, golden necklace, convertible, something like that. It was something I'm sure out of this world that she's still talking about today. But then it came time for her to give me my present. And what I had asked for, what I told her I wanted was an Atlanta Braves baseball hat. At the time, the Braves, I get a lot of people were loving the Braves. The Braves were a good team. I wanted an Atlanta Braves baseball hat. And she handed me a bag in front of all our friends. All our friends saw her hand me this. And when I opened it up, it was a Cleveland Indians baseball hat. Now, I, I, I get it. Uh, two teams, Native Americans, Indians, I, I, I get that. Uh, but she totally got it wrong, which meant I had really no this other decision but to break up with her, which I, which I had to do that day. Well, actually, I didn't break up with her. I got a, a friend on the playground, who talked to her friend, who communicated to her that it was probably best that we take a break. So, something like that. But I know that you've had an experience in your life where you went into something anticipating one thing and it was just like flipped on its head. It's not what you asked for. It was different than what we expected. And there are times where anticipation seems to be flipped on its head. And what we want to be about is Sycamore View and what we want to be about as the people of God is we want to anticipate that God is on the move even when it's hard to see it, even when it's hard to feel it or to know it, but that our God is on the move. And Christmas does this for us every year. This season, the season of Advent, reminds us that there was a time when God came into the world. God stepped into the world. God came. Jesus came. Walked in human flesh. And our hope is that God is still coming. And our hope is that one day God's going to come back and make all things right. So we're in a series. It's going to be a short series, an Advent series that I've called that we have called "vacant." So over the next few weeks, I want to talk about this idea of vacant, of vacancy, and and sometimes when we think the word vacant, you can think about a hotel or a motel with vacant uh, lights that are on, or maybe the lights are off, meaning that. There's no room that is there, and in the Christmas story, there's like, I mean, the, the, Joseph and Mary are looking for a place to stay, but everything seemed to be vacant. Like there was no, or, or uh, there was no room. They're looking for that light to appear, or just to let them know there is a place where they could stay. But even more than that, there were vacant dreams, vacant hopes. There were empty promises. This idea of vacant, vacancy, this idea of emptiness, this idea of voids, this is something that throughout all of Scripture, whenever there's emptiness or chaos or there's something that is vacant, this is an opportunity for God to do something remarkable. That God looks at moments like this. God looks at moments when hope seems to, to drown out, when where, where there's emptiness and there's chaos. And this may just be a moment where the power and the presence of God's going to do do something fresh, something new. And I want to talk about this over the next few weeks. What do we do when we live life? And as we live life, it seems that dreams are shattered, and we aren't really sure what the next step's going to be, how do we keep pressing into the faithfulness of God? And I think the Advent Advent season, the Christmas season, has something to say to us in this. Now, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, and there are those who believe this is one of the greatest literary pieces in the entire Bible. And in Luke chapter 24, it goes like this, uh, beginning in verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. And this is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. This is crazy, right? Like you would think if Jesus was next to you, somebody you knew well was next to you, you would know it was them. Maybe Maybe, maybe they were kept from recognizing Jesus for some reason. Maybe they just believed, like to their core, like they had seen Jesus die. Maybe they just knew he was so dead, like there's, it wasn't even in their like imagination, like there was no way that this could be Jesus. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They were, they were very sad. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? Are you the only stranger? That's what he's saying. Like, are you so strange that you don't know the things that have happened there in these days? And in typical Jesus fashion, he asked another question, like, what things are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village in which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then they got up, and they returned at once to Jerusalem, And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now I'm sure some of you are thinking right now, this is the Christmas season. The places in the Bible that we read in the Christmas season isn't stories that happened right after the resurrection of Jesus. We need to talk about Mary and Joseph and uh, and away in the manger, and we need to talk about the birth of Jesus. And, And here I am talking about one of the first stories we have after the resurrection of Jesus. But I think there are a few things in this story that we need in this season. And here's one of them. These two dudes... been in Jerusalem and now they're going in the wrong direction. They were now walking away from Jerusalem three days after the crucifixion. They're walking away from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. They're going in the wrong direction. Now it's one thing to be going in the wrong direction because we're lost. So we end up somehow making a wrong turn, but we don't know we made a wrong turn and, and, and we're lost. They're not going in the wrong direction because they're lost. It's because they came into Jerusalem believing something was about to happen. They came into Jerusalem this time, banking on victory, believing that Jesus was the way, that Jesus was about to become king of Israel, king of all. They believed it, and now all those hopes seem to be smashed. They're going in the wrong direction back home. And I think we know what it's like, too. Like, just go in the wrong direction because we feel like we've been defeated, we feel like there's been loss. We go in the wrong direction because we walk out of hospitals and, and people passed, and we didn't think they were going to pass when we first walked in. We go in the wrong direction sometimes as we walk away from, from a home after a divorce, or we walk away uh, from an office after being let go. We walk away from a stadium with our team so close to victory, yet they lost. And sometimes we know the feeling of loss and being defeated. And here are these two guys, and we're told the name of one of them, Cleopas. It's the only time his name shows up in the whole Bible. These two guys, and they're going in the wrong direction. They're moving away from Jerusalem because they have been banking on victory. So they came into Jerusalem with confidence, that this was it. They had confidence in the game plan that things would change. And now their hero, the one they were following, died. And there are three words that they say that just have kept coming back to me now for days and weeks. We had hoped. Is there in Luke chapter 24, verse 21. We had hoped. We had hoped that this was going to be different. We had hoped. This was uh, probably three words or a phrase that they had heard before in their life from their parents or their grandparents or their grandparents' grandparents. That we had hoped that this would be the time when God was going to do something new that God was going to have a fresh move. We had hoped. And I'm sure there are a lot of times we've used that phrase too. I mean, if you were to think about just over the last year of your life, how you would fill in that blank, like we had hoped. How would you fill in the blank? If we had hoped that Tess would have come back negative. We had hoped that the marriage could be saved. We had hoped that this time cutting cold turkey would last. We had hoped that this year would bring a different answer to infertility struggles, or we had hoped that loneliness would change, or we had hoped that anxiety would go away. Like we, we had hoped. And this was a phrase that had been echoed for hundreds, thousands of years. We had hoped would bring relief and redemption and salvation, and that all things would be right. The promises would be fulfilled. Generation after generation had hoped, had handed on hope, Yet they never knew the fulfillment of the promises. And this time, these two guys are walking away from Jerusalem so close, so close, yet they feel like they've missed it. And just a few days before, they had celebrated the Passover meal in Jerusalem. Now, some of us have started doing the Passover every year. There are parts of the Passover I look forward to. Whenever in the Passover, when we get to the point, the part of... Uh, anew, where it's just this repetition of if God doesn't do another thing, what God has already done is sufficient. Like God has already done enough to fill our hearts with gratitude for the rest of our lives. Like it's, it's enough. And there are moments as we uh, have these, uh, there are parts of the Passover that's symbolism and it's a retelling of the story and it's participatory that it's just moving. Now, there's an element of the Passover meal, and this has been around for a long time, where there are different things that are told about Elijah, the prophet Elijah. There are some people who will leave an empty space for Elijah at the table. And a lot of Passover meals, even up to today, like there'll be a time when they, they open the door of the house. And when they open the door of the house, there is the thought that the presence of Elijah graces the room. After all, Elijah was a prophet. If you read the Bible, he never died, this mighty prophet of God. But in a lot of Passovers today, even if there's not a space they leave for Elijah or they don't open a door for Elijah, there's usually a fifth cup of wine that is Elijah's cup. And most people don't drink that fifth cup of wine. Now this has been debated with a lot of rabbis because even in the days of Jesus, there were four cups of wine. So this was a long meal that you would take. And then they, they, they added a fifth. And this was debated because I think there were some people saying, aren't four cups of wine enough? Like, do we really need a fifth? But there was this element of the Elijah cup, which was a cup of redemption, which had this phrase that went with it that you find in the book of Exodus that I will bring you to the land. This had messianic hope and messianic promise. So even today, there are a lot of Jews at the Passover in which there will be a fifth cup. And no one partakes of the fifth cup. It's Elijah's cup. And it's because people are waiting for the Messiah to come. Now, in this story, what we have are two disciples who are going in the wrong way. And then they encounter Jesus. And they encounter Jesus. And when Jesus breaks the bread, their eyes are open to see Jesus for who he is. And when they see Jesus for who he is, They go right back to Jerusalem, seven miles away. They leave at night. They recorrect their path like they're moving away from where everything had happened because they thought that they had been defeated. Their plan, their investment, what they had given their lives to was now gone. They're going in the wrong direction, but then they encounter Jesus. and When they encounter Jesus, they end up recorrecting their path and going back to where this story is unfolding. And I don't know where you are on that path. Some of you right now, you have never been in a better place with God than where you are right now. You may be at that place where it's like you were at the table and Jesus has broken that bread. And for days or weeks or months, it is like Jesus just opening your eyes to the glory of God and the presence of God in your life and in the world. You've never been in a better place. Some of you right now, it may be like you're going in the wrong direction. And this may have been a direction you were on even prior to 2020, but in 2020, with all the things that have gone on, it's like you're going in the wrong direction. And it may just be a wrong direction of, it may be a wrong direction of sin, and it may be a wrong direction of just allowing things like cynicism to creep into your life and uh, pride or complacency. You're just going in the wrong direction. That's, you're moving away from the story, away from where the hope is rooted and anchored. And you're in need of Jesus to break the bread and to open up your eyes to see him more clearly. And when we see him more clearly, what happens is we re-engage just like these two disciples. We re-engage. They go right back into Jerusalem together with the people who would become the church. And when our eyes are open, we don't stand still. We don't sit still. We don't stay still. We re-engage. We move right back in to the mission of God and what it is God is doing the world, what they realize is when they said we had hoped, hope was actually right there in front of them. And this is what the church does. This is what we do for each other. Then when there there are people who are hanging on by a thread, where the cry of your life is, I just hoped that things would be different. The church reminds each other that the hope we need, Is right here in front of us right here in us the hope we need so I invite us right now to come to the table if you're in person hopefully you have the bread in the cup with you and if you're at home hopefully you have the elements the bread in the cup somewhere close by I just invite us into a moment of reflection and appreciation for some of you, this may need to be a moment of conviction that when we take the bread and we take the cup, it's a moment of conviction that we're, we're going in the wrong direction. We're moving away from where this story is anchored. And for some of you, this may be a moment that in the breaking of this bread, as we take it, we're asking God to open our eyes to see Jesus more clearly. And for all of us, as we take this, may we see how God is inviting us into his mission this week. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads and let's pray. God, just as you opened up eyes, both to see Jesus and in the same story, how you opened up eyes to hear and to see uh, the Bible and the story that was unfolding. I pray that you open up the eyes of our hearts to see you more clearly. I pray you bring the conviction that we need I pray, God, that you will be the strength in people's lives right now. This week, will you be the strength when we're weak? God, be our hope when we're frail. We need you. And this meal is exactly what we need today. The grace that comes from it, that sustains us through it all. We give you thanks for all you have done in and through Jesus. Amen.